Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about um, people who are in the situation where they married the person that was into them the least out of all their prior partners. Why would somebody do this crazy thing? Well, it's uh, unfortunately common, so I've thought long and hard about why, and not that long and hard, though, because I've told you why. If you go back to anything else I've read, you will start to recognize why as I start speaking. I mean, anything else I've uh, said or, you know, written or done on a video or whatever. But before I do that, please do subscribe. The most recent one was why to divorce when you're not angry but accepting. And I have loads and loads of others and others coming out all the time. And um, that's as much as I could say about that. You should also join my Facebook group that does not get you the podcast, but it does get you a lot of conversation and a lot of engagement with me. And I do take a lot of requests that are in that group for podcasts and video topics too. All right, so um, why would somebody... Just try, like try, try to pause after I ask the question, see how much you've learned from me. Why would somebody marry somebody that isn't into that? Even if they've had experiences knowing that other people can be into that. Do, 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 do. Why? Because attachment, because attachment, Because if you learned growing up that you're not very lovable because your parents didn't pay that much attention to you, again, no fault of their own, you know, they had their own fucking shit on their plate. I'm sure their childhood was crap, but, you know, also no fault of yours. You know, you didn't deserve it either. But if you learned that you are not very lovable or even very likable, then if people liked you or loved you or were that into you, you were like, who is this person with no judgment? This woman or man is crazy. I don't want to to be with them. Look how into me they are. It's like it's like gross. Like they're smothering me. You know, I don't want this. I I don't I don't want somebody who's this into me. It like means there's something weird about them or something. Makes me feel super uncomfortable cuz it's super unfamiliar to be with somebody that likes me this much. Oh, I know who I'll go for, that person over there that can't really, you know, look at me straight in the face (laughs) with whom I do not have fulfilling sex that I can assume uh, then has very good judgment because they don't really like me that much. Reminds me of home. Now, of course, none of this is articulated, but that's kind of how it goes in the subconscious. If you had, I talked to so many guys who had sexually fulfilling relationships prior to their wife and they say, Yes, of course I know what it would be like. So, so, so basically I say to them something like, well, you know, maybe you're too hard on her. Maybe this is a fulfilling sex life. Maybe she's into it, right? 
They say, no, no, I know what it's like when a woman's into me sexually. Um, for example, my girlfriend in my in college, she was loved oral sex. And of, of course, I say she's probably not going down on her now husband every day. Like, obviously, you know, I tried to bring the man into reality. But he's like, when I compare, you know, but, but you know, he has some reality there too, which is basically a woman who went down on you every day in your courtship probably is not going to turn into a woman who will never do it because it's too gross. That happens sometimes, you know, women's hormones change, they have a baby, they get depressed, uh, a, lot, a lot of shit happens, they are grieving something, they have uh, unresolved trauma, you cheated on them or were a dick, like a million reasons that a woman could stop going down on you, but the one that they will not have is that they never ever did it, always thought it was gross, and you just convinced yourself that it didn't matter, because why? Because you don't know, you don't really remember anymore. Now you think it was pretty stupid. Well, I'll tell you, what happens is these men, they're with women that are into them. And I've seen it happen time and time again. So they're into the woman that'll go down on them all the time and that enjoys sex and has an orgasm and all of this stuff. But she, they have some problem with her. Maybe she's not smart enough. Maybe she's too clingy. Maybe she wants to get married too fast and just have babies. Maybe she doesn't have a career. Whatever it is, they distance themselves from this woman because she makes them uncomfortable. She's too into them. And um, what they instead decide to go for in a subconscious level, but a very conscious level that the decision is made, they decide to go for a woman who then becomes do 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 the avoidant wife in the avoidant wife podcast, a woman who could really take them or leave them. And at the beginning, they're like, oh, my God, this is so great. This fits so well into my life. Look, it's so amazing. She don't even want to hang out with me man, I get a lot of stuff done. <laughs> I, I have a million hobbies. My career is on overdrive. Why? Because, you know, she can really, you know, doesn't really care if I live or die. So, you know, she sees me once a week. She smiles. We joke around because we're in our 20s. We could probably joke around at a funeral when you're in your 20s. And um, yeah, well, we don't have that much sex, but I mean, I'm sure it'll get better or it won't or it doesn't matter. She's hot. She likes me. She seems to like me sometimes, you know, likes me at least well enough to see me once a week or twice a week. And yeah, we're good to go. But that isn't what is really happening on a subconscious level. What's happening is that you are uncomfortable with the person that's too into you. And women do this too. That's the guy that they feel is smothering, suffocating, you know, too many presents and too much I love you. Sure, there are people who are super preoccupied attachment. But frequently when you go back through people's dating history, it wasn't like they had all these like super clingy people that were the ones that they thought were clingy. When they go back through it they're like oh yeah in retrospect that person just wanted to see me a lot you know like and I didn't like that because that is something I was not used to I wasn't used to being an object of pursuit in any way because when I grew up I wasn't like that at all I was the one kind of you know left to my own devices all the time so what felt familiar to me is to find a partner who would leave me to my own devices and now I realize that that's because they just were not that into me slash relationships slash sex. So how can you use this to kind of understand your life better? Well, I had a podcast, Don't Blame Your Partner, for being the person who you picked when you had lower self-esteem. And that is exactly um, what I'm talking about with this as well. You know, when you had lower self-esteem, 
Somebody liking you too much, like viscerally led to a feeling of kind of disgust and revulsion in you. And now you're very different and you wish that you would have given those people more of a time of day, the people that were into you back in the day. Well, I mean, there's no time machine. You don't want to cheat on your spouse. So what should you do about it now? Well, the first thing is to stop blaming them and acting like in some way they changed or it was like some kind of bait and switch. It really wasn't. It's not a bait and switch for a woman that's only having sex with you a couple times a week in the honeymoon stage and who always is cool with you working or seeing your friends or doing your 3,000 hobbies or basically not seeing you much. It's not a bait and switch when that woman goes from two times a week or one time a week to one time a month. That's just literally the, 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 libido, the libidinal change in a woman within monogamy. So when you were with the woman who was having sex with you every single day and couldn't get enough of you, she probably would have gone to every other day or twice a week, which now would be super awesome for you. But that's only where you started with the other woman. So the first thing is to understand she's just being like the monogamous version of who she is now. And by the way, you've probably pushed her away in many ways by kind of consistently telling her how disappointing she is in one way or another. And she doesn't understand why because she doesn't feel that she changed. Same thing with the man. A lot of women go for very avoidant men, the emotionally avoidant man. And I did a podcast on avoidant husbands. This guy was always hard to pin down. He always did not want to be emotionally close. You had to convince him to marry you probably. So why are we blaming him now for being the same exact guy? It doesn't mean that you need to stay with him forever. It doesn't mean that as you learn and grow, you may not decide to end the relationship because you may. But what a good thing to do is to work on like the bitterness and the resentment because bitterness comes from thinking things could have been different. It, it couldn't have been different. With the person that you picked, knowing that they, like, knowing the type of person that you had to basically be attracted to, you know this because you had the option of being with other people and didn't even pick them. You picked the one that wasn't as into you. Given your tendency to do that, which was stemming from your upbringing and your subconscious tie to that sort of dynamic, it could not have gone any other way. You know, and this really helps you to get to a place that's beyond blame, where you're not like, oh, why is my husband acting so emotionally unavailable? Girl, he acted emotionally unavailable from the first fucking date. I promise you, I give you good, I will, I will bet you good money that if you think back to the earliest weeks of the relationship, there was even at the very beginning a feeling that you weren't fully accessing him, that he wasn't fully present. And if it wasn't in the first few weeks, which some people, they're just like in this unusual situation, maybe they meet on vacation or they meet like, um, you know, in, in the last year of college when, when they don't really care much about their grades, they could stay in bed all day, whatever, With the, it, definitely before the wedding. Definitely before the wedding, you picked up on that this man was hard to pin down and probably before he proposed. And it was probably kind of not the proposal that you wanted and he waited a little long and there was talk about it because already it was difficult to get him to commit. And so now when you're thinking it's hard for him to commit now, it was always hard for him to commit. He was always emotionally unavailable, but the reason that this resonated with you and was such a draw to you was because this is what you grew up with, right? You grew up feeling like you were not somebody worthy of your parents' full attention and full focus. So a man that gave you his full attention and focus 
that was not appealing to you. So as I discussed with Imago theory, you get somebody like your caregiver and then you fantasize about changing them in ways you can never change your caregiver. So a woman who has an emotionally unavailable parent gets an emotionally unavailable man and then tries her hardest to change him into somebody emotionally available. Whereas all the emotionally available men that were saying, oh, why don't we hang out? She doesn't want a man who says, why don't we hang out? She wants a man that she has to beg to hang out with her or put herself into exactly the right situation or think about how she could get his attention. That's what hooks her in. Now, as you, whether you're a man or a woman, as you grow older, you go through therapy, you're thinking about things differently, you may say, I really do want the person that puts me on a pedestal in at least certain ways, although I have an interesting podcast coming up, the one that I promised you in a previous podcast, I have it coming up on why never to go to the person who completely puts you on a pedestal, because that is indicative of true narcissistic slash borderline tendencies. But what I mean by a pedestal here, maybe I miss spoke. Maybe I shouldn't even conflate those terms at all. Maybe there's no good pedestal because I would never want you to do the bad pedestal. So I shouldn't say any pedestal is good. So instead of a pedestal, I'll say the person who prioritizes you. So maybe now you want to go for the person who prioritizes you and maybe that could never be your current spouse. But you need to get to a place beyond hate and bitterness and resentment and it can be very useful to do that thinking back to how many people you didn't take that would have prioritized you or shown you that they did prioritize you but that felt so unfamiliar and weird to you whether it was in the bedroom or emotionally, whatever, in whatever way that you wanted them to prioritize you There were people that did, for most people, they had experiences of being prioritized, but just found problems with these people because it was so uncomfortable for them to be in that situation. And then as you get older and more confident and you understand more about yourself, then when you meet somebody who prioritizes you, then you love it. You love it and you want to prioritize them back. And it feels like a wonderful, equal, loving relationship versus something where you're always pining for attention and affection that you can't get. And you can't get it because you literally picked somebody that did not have the capacity to do it. And they showed you that a lot early on. And you just, you, you just uh, didn't want to see it because you had the fantasy of changing them into something better. But the whole reason that you were drawn to them was that they were somebody who did not give sufficient attention and affection. And this can be a transformative epiphany for the majority of people who realize it. And in second marriages, after you have been divorced from somebody who uh, never gave you the level of affection, whether it was sexual, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, the the sort of communion and closeness that you wanted, when you find somebody with whom you can have that relationship, then it can be very healing. So while if you get divorced, the first marriage may not, quote, reparent you, as I discuss in my podcast and posts about reparenting, the second marriage may. You know, and I and other people in healthy second marriages have felt this. You know, finally, you're at a place where you can give and receive love freely and where you believe that you deserve to be prioritized by some and to prioritize somebody else, you know. And that can be the healing experience that you were hoping your first marriage would be. But by virtue of who you picked, you basically ensured that that couldn't happen.
So if you feel like this resonates with you, then yeah, like you, you too are the problem, like not in a blame way, but it isn't just that your spouse like offered something that they then didn't really give. The woman who had a million hard stops around sexual acts when she was uh, in her young 20s. That's a woman who has trouble with closeness and intimacy. The man who you had to kind of like convince into becoming your husband because he, quote, didn't believe in marriage, like he was telling you what he was. He was diff- he, he doesn't want um, closeness. Like he, he doesn't fully prioritize you over, he pri- over what he prioritizes in himself, his philosophies, his principles, or whatever isn't intimacy with you. These people were telling you you what they were and you can contrast them in most cases with at least one prior person who did prioritize you that you felt "Mm, nah that person I don't know I just don't feel it with them you just don't feel it with them because they weren't your imago they liked you too much too much. There's a Nora Ephron quote, which was, I, you know, like when I was young, I used to date, I used to get rid of men for any reason. Too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too nice. Oh God, just give me back too nice again, right? Or something like that. And it's true. I mean, and many men and women have this epiphany. Like when I was young, I was looking for a challenge. That's the less psychologically minded way to discuss Imago theory and the, you know, your subconscious magnetic draw to people who are not that into you is liking a challenge, you know? And, um, and, and I just should have been happy with the person who was offering me love. But, you know, you're young, you don't know, and you come from a childhood where you never saw love freely given between two people that equally prioritized one another in a healthy way. You had no template for it, so how could you be drawn to it? So you need to both forgive yourself and forgive your partner. From this place, either you could go to couples counseling and try to learn how to love one another um, in, in healthier, closer ways, or some people realize that their relationship just can never, ever work. You know, but I mean, that's an obviously super individual decision based on a myriad um, circumstances, including how long you have worked on the relationship after having this epiphany that it isn't your partner's, quote, fault and that they were really showing who they were from the beginning, as everyone kind of does. And that's why you should be in therapy when you're dating, you know, because therapists can really help you see these red flags when it's your second time around so that you don't get into the same kind of relationship that didn't work out the first time and that you can notice and be open to people who actually really like you and want to be with you and not find that to be a turnoff. And while it sounds stupid to say it, some of you know exactly what I mean. If they like me too much, it's a turnoff. My God, wow, I really am fucking myself. And if you have that sort of epiphany, it's really, you know, you should have been in therapy to think about it and explore it starting yesterday. So today is the second best. All right, I'll talk to you all soon. Hope you got a lot out of this. And please do subscribe and join the Facebook secret group. Bye-bye.